I mean, it's sad that you can't trust the free press anymore because no mm -hmm. one, there's so much concern that the free press isn't truly free. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's well, kinda, that's kinda I mean, we, we sort of know it firsthand. We've had, you know, various press releases get into publications. Now ours are legit and they're, <laughs> they're actual good news, but. Yeah, nice, nice, uh, nice save there. Uh. <laughs> So today's topic, we're, we're going to be discussing what are the pros and cons to building versus buying a digital patient engagement platform. I think it'll be an interesting discussion. Obviously, we are vendors ourselves, so the general audience here might assume we're on the buying end, uh, maybe a bit biased, but I think we're, we're actually going to really try our best to make a good argument for why it's uh, a good idea to build product as well. Now, before we do that, if it's okay, I'll just kind of give a quick uh, overview of like what we mean by digital patient engagement for just the, the folks who are not as familiar with the category. Um, so there's this whole aspect to the patient journey, you know, whether they're going through a surgery, a cancer journey, a chronic care episode, we give lots of paper and verbal instructions to patients that they have a hard time following. And clinical team members tell us it's really hard to keep track of of how patients are doing. There's no way to easily monitor them and catch a problem earlier. And so, you know, patient engagement platforms like SeamlessMD basically provide an interactive experience to patients that they can access through their smartphone, their tablet, or through their desktop web browser. And we basically engage, monitor, and stay connected with patients across different journeys, whether that's, you know, before and after a heart surgery, going through a cancer treatment, helping a patient manage and get monitored for heart failure, and so patients on their device or their web browser can get reminders of what to do at the right time, interactive education uh, across those the episodes. So that could be, you know, physical therapy videos about recovery. Um, and then probably very importantly, we empower patients to track data and progress. So we have patients tracking, you know, pain scores, symptoms, photos of their incision after surgery. And then our clinical team members, such as nurses, get dashboards and alerts so they can monitor a patient before and after they're in hospital, catch things earlier, prevent readmissions, all kinds of great benefits because we know 95% of the patient journey happens when they're not in front of you know, their healthcare providers. So that's what we mean by a, an interactive patient engagement platform. And of course, as you and I, Alan, know very well, sometimes organizations are thinking about, hey, like, you know, if I want to do one of these, like, should I buy a product like Seamless or should I try to get our own internal team members, such as maybe IT or someone else to build something like this. Like, so that's sort of the, I guess, the, the genesis for the conversation. Yep. Yep. That's a great point. I think maybe to start the discussion, Josh, let's focus on some of the pros to actually building a solution as opposed to buying one. We're going to pretend that we're, we're the hospital. We're exactly. The hospital. Yeah. Yeah, okay. exactly. So one of the main pros for building your own solution, building a, a digital patient engagement platform is that it's yours to own. You know, if you build it, it, it is yours. So that means you you hold all of the reward for building it. If I build the, the platform that our cardiac department uses, well, then I can actually extend it to other parts of the hospital. I can also license the, the technology out to other health systems, other hospitals. Um, yeah, maybe you can make some money out of it, um, mm -hmm. cover some costs, potentially, hypothetically, yeah. Hypothetically, and, and actually talking about costs, it, 
potentially costs less money upfront to actually build your own solution. It you know does require IT time and and actual resources from the IT department. But if you're an organization that is low on cash but has the the resources in IT, it could seem like an attractive opportunity to actually build your own technology, not outlay a, a ton of money. I mean, it, obviously you'll need to pay for some of the development costs and the, the server costs and things like that. But right, um, right. But what, but what they're saying is, hey, I have I have this team of you know software engineers internally in the IT department, and if I tell them, hey, stop working on these other projects, work on building the solution instead, when I look at my budget. It doesn't feel like it's changed. Right. They were already on staff. I'm not hiring anyone new necessarily. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like I'm paying more money to build to to have to get a solution potentially. Right. I think another pro for building uh, a solution as opposed to buying is you don't have to rely on a third party. So you don't have to shop around for a vendor. You don't have to worry if the vendor is going to promise you the moon and they don't actually deliver on that. It, it's basically you have all of the all of the risk and all of the liability is on our organization. So if, if I truly believe in, you know, our IT department, then we can make something happen. Um, you know, things like what if the vendor goes out of business, you don't have to worry about that kind of concern. I guess the, the other thing too, is um, you, if it's your, if it's truly yours, you have full control over the direction of the product. Mm-hmm. So, you know, let's be fair, like, you know, as a, as a vendor, Ellen, like at Seamless MD, we serve like many, many hospitals and health systems and providers. So what we can't do is make drastic changes to the platform that only help one organization to the detriment of you know many, many others. Whereas if you own your own solution completely, you can be very custom in controlling the direction of the product um, to the, exactly the way you want it. Right. To, to an extent, because at the same time, let's say I'm building the product for our cardiac department. I completely customize it to that department, but then the larger health system says, well, let's roll it out across different specialties. You're going to have to kind of backtrack a little bit, customize for each specialty or each um, care plan as it's commonly called. Oh, and you do that thing. If, if you even, if it, I mean, to that same point, if you ever think about thinking, hey, can I, can we spin this out as a business? Well, then you're going to have to deal with all these other health systems who have their own opinions the way a vendor does. So then right. you, lose, you lose that autonomy. But if let's say you decide not to like spin it out and try to build into a business, you can just leave it in your own health system. Um, there, there is some things you have more control over. Mm-hmm. Uh, just to summarize, like some of the main pros are potentially less costs up front because you're, you know, leveraging the IT department that you already have. It is completely owned by you. So there could be a potential for, let's say, other uh, revenue streams. Maybe you're licensing the technology. You don't have to rely on an outside vendor. Uh, Things could happen, you know, maybe they go out of business or um, just ownership of the direction that you want to take the the technology. So I think those are the main pros, uh, as I can understand it. Let's talk about some of the cons to building your own solution. It's kind of a double-edged sword with ownership. Um, you're you're 100% liable for the product. So yes, it, it may be attractive at first to, to outlay less money um, to actually build the product. Could look like an attractive opportunity, but do keep in mind that requires significant development costs in terms of time, sometimes money as well. If you're gonna, you know, get different contractors in, involved in the the, which is very common. I've seen a lot of organizations 
for solutions in general, they will like hire a third party contractor or, or consulting shop to basically build the first version of it. So you're right. It's not always, I mean, they still own it, but you're right. There might be real capital outlay there. Yep. I think as well, uh, a con for building the solution at first, it's very attractive to completely customize it for the, the initial pilot, the, the specialty that you're building it for. Uh, but then when you're scaling it, you're, you're going to have to customize it again. You're going to have to almost start from scratch for each clinical area that you want to build it for. It also requires a lot of testing. So our patients actually going to use the technology um, that requires testing, actually getting engagement rates, adoption rates. There's, there's a lot more than just the features built into the technology for, for benefiting a patient to actually use the product. Yeah, so to your point, Al, I think it's easy to underestimate the, the true cost of both money and time it takes to build something that works because I can guarantee you, and this is true for every um, software intervention, patient engagement or not, like version one is not going to work. Both from uh, the product won't be good won't be good enough for for your patients and providers. There's going to be so many gaps. It's not going to have the right um, interactions or behaviors to drive real engagement. You know, with you know sick, um, uh, complex patients. But the other part you're alluding to is well, um, even if the product itself is good, the implementation learnings needed. I can guarantee you, V1 of that won't be good either, mm-hmm. and I can guarantee you that V2 and V3 might not be great either. And mm-hmm. so the the time and money it takes to not only get the first version of the door, but iterate it to the point where it's good enough. Right. Um, that takes time and money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think as well, you know, often we're thinking about, you know, building the product and okay, we've developed the product. Maybe we've gotten to, to V5 and patients are actually using it and like success, boom, we're done. The problem is it's very short-term thinking because there's going to be an ongoing maintenance involved in upkeep for the product as well. Coming down to kind of like what you were saying with the total cost of ownership, there's technical support needed that's ongoing. So it's almost like you spin off an entire company within the organization. Well, you're going to have to maintain that company. You have to keep up with any hardware updates, software updates, any tech support um, yeah, that patients need, especially if you're going to scale this across the organization. As you scale it, uh, there's going to be a, an equal increase in terms of patient um, support needed. So ongoing maintenance uh, is, a, is a big factor. Yeah, I think part of it too, Alan, and I think and this is something that we only learned because we've been doing this for eight years at Seamless um, with many organizations is, you know, when we work with an organization, um, we assign really specifically trained team members to implement and support these programs, right? So we have a whole, what we call a customer success team. So this is a team that basically is like a project manager slash consultant who um, project manages the implementation, best practices for how to get pe- um, patients educated and supported, ongoing support to help providers and staff members get the most value of the programs so that they're actually reducing length of stay and readmissions. And then there's also a whole host of clinical team members we have that actually help configure workflows with uh, frontline staff to drive outcomes for patients. And so there's all these non-IT um, components to a successful initiative that you're going to have to figure out, okay, so we're going to basically figure out from scratch as a hospital how to do all those things. And we're going to have to like find non-IT people internally to then own those roles Mm-hmm. And then have those people train other people in the organization how to do these things. And so to your point, you're basically now creating an additional 
company inside your organization mm -hmm. to do these things on your own. And so again, it's like maybe they're already on staff, but if, if, they're, if you're basically running a patient engagement company inside your organization now, what are they not doing that they were hired to do? And then you're going to have to hire someone to fill those roles. Mm -hmm. So it, it's, it, I think at some point people realize, wait, it's not just us, you know, paying a third-party development firm one-time fees to build a, a solution. It's, it's like more than that. Mm -hmm. It's a whole initiative. Uh, yeah. and, and so that your point, total cost of ownership, I think is, is very underestimated. Um, mm -hmm. Anyway, sorry, Alan. Back, no, back to you. That's, it's a great point. It's it's a it's a long term initiative, and it needs to be thought of that way. It needs to be almost thought of like we're building an entire company within an organization that's going to control and own this this initiative. Oh, um, uh, sorry. It's a, it is, so like you you're you said like okay, so um, bugs bugs come up. Mm -hmm. Well, your engineers are gonna have to fix them, or providers come back saying, hey, like we need these new features. Or I want to try this new workflow or all these things, okay, you're gonna have to assign engineering resources to that. Right. You're gonna have to assign people for maintenance, like you mentioned. And so that's the question. It's, um, did you, like you, if you thought that you could have like one-time effort from either your engineering team or an outside development shop to, to launch this, you don't realize that you need to keep all those people actually on contract to maintain this. Mm -hmm. And that's really their new job. I don't think people expect that. I think I think there's a, a an, an assumption that hey, we just build this one time right. and that's it. Right. Yeah. I can tell you if, if that was true, seamless would be a lot more profitable because I wouldn't have to invest resources for maintenance and mm -hmm. improvements and all these other things that, that we do to, to to make sure our health system partners are successful. Right. Yeah. Um, I think it's also valuable to talk about um, what you'd be missing if you didn't go with a, a, a patient engagement vendor. So if you're building it yourself, one benefit of a, a vendor is that, like you said, Josh, they have multiple hospital clients. They, they work with you know, more teams than just the one um, hospital or health system. And so there's learnings that we acquire from working with multiple hospitals. And, and so if you're building your own solution, you kind of miss out on all of those learnings you know, there, that you could have leveraged if you um, had gone with the vendor that uh, works with multiple uh, organizations. Yeah, and, and, and you know, Alan, it's it's one of those things where it's so easy in healthcare, I think, to read, not just reinvent the wheel, but reinvent the same mistakes. Like I've, I've lived it myself where like we're all human, we all approach a lot of problems the same way, which means we also make a lot of the same mistakes. And that's, mm -hmm. that is time and, and money wasted. And so it's, it's one of those things where, um, you know, whenever I think about something like Seamless, it's like, okay, well, imagine I'm in the hospital, uh, I'm not a hospital, but say I was a business, right? Seamless is a business. And we're thinking about, hey, like, should we, um, I don't know, buy Microsoft Word or build Microsoft Word? And it's, yeah, you know, we have engineers on staff and yeah, they could, um, we could ask them to, to take, out, take time out of their, their day to build Microsoft Word. And maybe it won't be as good as Microsoft Word. Maybe it's good enough for us. Mm -hmm. But we, but because we're a software company, we realize, well, we know that's not a one-time thing. They're going to have to like right. keep maintaining. There's all these, there's all these, all these things that go along with it. So definitely, like I, I you know, I, I can appreciate and I think about that why I don't want to build Microsoft Word. Mm -hmm. um, it's just not worth it. Yep. Um, so just 
kind of to summarize that, like the, again, looking at the total cost of ownership. So yes, you do own the product. It is yours. You, you have all of the reward, but also all of the risk associated with that, but it is also a long-term initiative. So there's going to be ongoing costs involved. There's going to be maintenance. There's going to be patient support. Again, there's some uh, people costs involved. So actually training the staff implementation um, and making sure that everybody's happy with all the, the features that are in there and also some of the missed opportunities. So not being able to leverage some of the learnings that, uh, that a, a full vendor could bring because they've worked with multiple organizations. They've made the same failures, they've made the same successes and they can kind of combine all that together for your implementation. I think that leads us in really well to the pros. Oh, of- oh can, I, can, I, can I add a few more? And I don't mean to harp on the cons, but- yeah, just- yeah. yeah a bit more points to share. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the things that I've seen happen in the in the healthcare system is that, like, let's say an organization um, tries to build their own thing and it doesn't work out quite well. There's, and part of the reason why it doesn't work out is because um, they don't, just don't have the experience on how do you actually educate a patient on why they should adopt this, or mm-hmm. it's not very user-friendly, right? Because it takes a lot of iterations to make it useful, or it doesn't drive an outcome because, again, the first few versions are not, right? I mean, we've been doing R&D for eight years on, on what we do full time to get to the point today where it's driving an outcome. And so often what happens is it fails and then providers lose confidence that anything like this would work. They're like, well, if it didn't work when we try to build it, so like, why would it ever work again in the future? And so it, it almost stifles that innovation internally because there's a lack of faith now that this sort of engaging with the patient actually works, right? Or could right. work despite all kinds of evidence outside that, that says it does with the right solution. Um, so that could hurt progress around innovation. I think that, I think that's, that's one thing. And so anyways, um, I think the, 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 the opportunity cost of, of not being able to, to then get back, get back on track with this innovation uh, and taking a longer time to get there again internally, that's a cost yeah. and, um, that, that I think is often missed. Yeah, absolutely. Like, like, like failure delays the success that you should have gotten the first time is what I'm trying right. to say. Right. If you find that V1 is not successful, you're going to have a, a lot less confidence that the technology in general is going to be successful. You're oh, gonna- I, I mean, what comes to mind, I won't go to names, but you know, I remember we met this health system where um, they actually got on stage and talked about how um, they had a, a failed initiative where the hospital spent six figures um, hiring a development shop to build their own patient engagement solution that they could own. So six figures, like many, many, many months of this third-party contractor building solution. And then when they finally started using it, I think they said less than 20% of patients actually adopted it. And then within the first 50 patients, they basically just gave up on the initiative. Right. And it's like, gosh, like that's a very expensive last time when it comes to time and money. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, like, I don't, I mean, was the product like good enough? Maybe, probably not, right? Maybe, maybe good enough to get people enticed, but not good enough to actually work. But the bigger problem is I think what the implementation, mm. like, it's not like the development shop knew how to implement this. They're, they're just developers just being told right. to develop something. They're right. not, not project management specialists or change management specialists. And so the, the health system was just kind of guessing what to do. Um, anyways. Yeah. Now let's shift to talking about some of the pros to buying a proven solution. Um, and obviously this is kind of the, the other side of the coin from the, the cons to um, building a solution. But 
One of the first ones that comes to mind is you can start immediately. It's, you know, lower costs, lower risk, because you're presumably using a vendor that does this repeatedly. So it's out of the box. Maybe there's clinically validated digital care plans already built. Um, and sure, you can customize it for your specific needs. But, um, you know, presumably the care plans that are already built are proven to achieve a high patient engagement and, and improved clinical outcomes. And there is uh, results on, on the technology. Said it well, Alan. I, I, I noticed a comment. <laughs> Speechless from that, yeah. Would you have anything to add in, in terms of? Yeah, you know, yeah. Actually, no. I apologize. I, I actually, I, something did come to mind, and I think that is when you're trying to pitch this internally. So, if I'm a hospital, and I'm you know an executive or an administrator, and I'm or a digital lead, and I'm saying, hey, you know, I, I want to move us forward in the 21st century, going digital. Um, especially with the pandemic, we need to do a better job of engaging and monitoring patients remotely with technology. But at the same time, I need clinician buying for this. I need staff buying for this. And I can tell you like your, your, your top clinicians, your department chiefs are going to say, well, what's the evidence around this? Mm -hmm. And if you go to them and say, well, actually, um, you know, we're going to hire a development shop to do this or ask it to do this. And, um, and, you know, but, but like it could work, right. They're going to say, uh, well, come back to me once you have real clinical evidence that your solution does work right. because, you know, I don't want to be your guinea pig. Um, yeah. And you're, and well, but the only way for you to get that evidence is to actually get them to use it. So mm -hmm. catch 22, right. right. Um, and, and then, the, but and maybe, and maybe you can convince one department to do it with you. Like, let's say you convince orthopedics to do it with you. Right. And then you have this evidence now, um, and then you go back to your cardiac chief and say, hey, orthopedics use this. It's kind of working. Mm -hmm. And cardiac chief, your cardiac chief will say, okay, what evidence do you have for cardiac? Right. And then you're going to say, uh, well, you're supposed to be my evidence. Anyways, my, my right. point is that um, it's, it's not just the fact that if you use a validated solution, you can be personally confident that it works, mm -hmm. but it's more that you want your team confident that if they're putting in their time to support you on this initiative and put it into their workflow, mm -hmm. that they have confidence that it works too. And that reduces your risk as an organization and your, as yourself as an individual stakeholder championing this initiative reduces your risk personally mm -hmm. and maximizes your um, opportunity for success personally and then for your, your department and your hospital. I think that's the big thing. Absolutely. Another pro for buying a solution, like we mentioned with the, the cons to building one is there is that ongoing maintenance, ongoing enhancements to the, the platform. This is literally the, the company, that's what their focus is. Their focus is on the patient engagement platform. So improving it um, based on you know, patient engagement rates. Can we actually improve the processes that are in place to have more patients adopt the technology, have more patients use the technology and have more patients actually benefit from the technology. So buying a digital patient engagement platform allows you to access new features, new you know, digital care plans that are used by other health systems that are, you know, validated and the vendor will be and, and is, you know, exclusively focused on building the product and enhancing the product and continually improving the product for your benefit. Yeah. And I think to your point, I mean, the big part of it is when we're talking about lowering risk and increasing probably success, it's a fact that it's not just the technology works but it's all the other services, right? So the fact that our customer success team 
actually like helps you implement best practices for how do you get patient adoption or what are the right workflows for monitoring a patient or how do you how do you actually engage certain maybe departments or staff members who aren't as engaged with this initiative what's been working for other organizations um so there's all that ongoing kind of um support from the the services side that to actually make the program successful because it is more than the technology right mm -hmm. i mean I, th I think every hospital that's gone through an EHR implementation knows that it's not it's not just the, the technology of the EHR, it's all the services that you need to make it a successful initiative. And the fact that, you know, you don't have to figure that out from scratch or you, or the fact that you don't have to find people to do it, right? right. In some ways, like, like uh, you know, I'll be honest, as a business owner myself, right? In some ways, sometimes it's just easier to um, spend money to know that, to know what I'm getting. Mm -hmm. That can be comp. It's, for example, it's like, yes, like I could send Alan to law school and get a JD mm -hmm. to like be the lawyer. And maybe like, I think, well, over the next 50 years, it's cheaper if I do that than like paying like gazillion bucks an hour to our law firm. But it's like, if I, if I want, if I want this contract by next week, mm -hmm. like who am I going to go with? Right. In the same way, it's, it's like from a time point of view, mm -hmm. if I'm saying, Hey, our hospital wants to implement a digital patient engagement platform by Q2 of this year. And I want to be confident that it works. Mm -hmm. And I have a goal in mind mm -hmm. that you kind of want to go with something you can be confident works. Right. Um, and, and I think that's where, you know, it, it, it's more helpful to go with something that's proven. If you have this 50 year horizon and you have time to spare, it's like, yeah, I guess you can kind of like, sure. Like roll it dice, you know? Right. right. Um, and I, I think confidence is key as well. I don't, I don't know if I would trust my abilities with law for instance. What if I, what if we sent you to Harvard law school? Huh? <laughs> I mean, if you want to do that, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, to your point, I, you know, it's less time required, um, less risk going with a, a, an actual vendor, uh, continuous enhancement, continuous maintenance. Like you, you mentioned, there's a, a team of service professionals uh, at the company who are there to leverage the learnings from the network. They can share those best practices. They can explain, you know, the exact circumstance that we're going through. Maybe it's getting uh, just buy-in internally. Well, there might be a playbook on how to do that that's worked well at other organizations that they've worked with, and they can share those with you as well. And then I think, I think also, oh, sorry, go ahead, Alan. No, no, go, go for it. I was going to say, and then not just the strategic services, but just the raw technical support services. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you do it on your own and patients have questions about it, they, they forget how to log in or, yeah. or there's a technical question from the patient. Um, who's managing that? Are you right. saying IT now has to manage that? Are you saying your frontline nurses and physicians have to manage that? Or what if, you know, um, frontline staff, your providers have a question about your dashboards or, or things like that? Right. Um, are, are you saying that they then have to um, you know, contact IT for those questions. So now you're creating an internal, like ongoing, 20, you know, like support IT support team for any like just more basic, like day-to-day -day needs. No one thinks about that ahead of time. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and so there's that is even, not even more than the strategic services, like literally your day-to-day -day operations of this platform, like who is owning that right. um, and being educated on that. Like that's, that's a whole other thing too. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then just the, the last point that I would say for a pro of buying a solution is the uh, confidence again, the expertise that the vendor might have. So Josh has already mentioned, but SeamlessMD has eight plus years of research and development. So you can be pretty sure, you know, based on the evidence that's out there that 
we have somewhat of an expertise in, in the domain of patient behavior change and patient engagement. Um, and so kind of that confidence that you're gaining. So you're able to launch and maintain uh, an actual effective uh, product um, right, right from the, the get-go. And then the last thing I'd add, Alan, it's just, um, we kind of touched a bit on it earlier, but it's, it is access to the, the customer partner network of the business. Mm-hmm. It's the fact that, you know, all the time we'll have, you know, healthcare system customers saying, hey, um, like, how is this other organization achieving those results mm-hmm. on the platform? And we can share that. Or often we have, we have organizations who are actually getting on a phone call together and sharing best practices or sharing, mm-hmm you know, digital care plan elements on our platform and collaborating on the platform. And, you know, you can't do that if you're siloed on your own, doing your own thing. And so the fact that you can like get the best thing available, collaborate with other partners, mm-hmm. get results faster. Um, like really those, those are the big things. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's about, it's about outcomes. Um, that being said though, Alan, I mean, I think you're probably getting to this. It, there are cons. There are definitely mm-hmm. cons to working with a, a, a vendor partner. Yep, for sure. Um, you know, first con that comes to mind is the, the direct uh, inverse of the, the pros to building it. You don't own the product. So that means you can't necessarily choose exactly the features that you want to put into the product that'll fit perfectly well with your um, specific care plan or your specific um, uh, patient population. So you don't own it. You don't necessarily have full control over what's going to happen with the product. Um, I think yeah, also we've, we've all been there where like, you know, maybe we wish that vendor partner prioritized our request on the product roadmap. Right. And if you're able to have your own team control that you can literally prioritize the way you want, um, you can get that, that feature you want right away. Right. Um, but when you're one of like, you know, hundreds of other hospitals working with a vendor, you, you, there's a limit to what you can push for. Yeah. I think also, you know, and this is probably the, the biggest driver of uh, a con for buying uh, a digital patient engagement platform. And that's, it's potentially more expensive long-term, but again, we've kind of highlighted the ongoing cost, the maintenance cost, the, um, the fact that you almost have to build a full company within the organization to keep the the product running, but potentially, you know, if we're scaling this across the health system, it may be a bigger uh, price tag upfront. But again, you have to know what what are you getting with that price? Where where are the values that are? Yeah, uh, and I think that way to look at it, Alan, is like if if all you wanted was just to be able to say you had a paid engagement solution, features, yeah. Right, and you didn't really care, are patients actually adopting it? Is it improving outcomes? Is it lowering costs for us? Are we actually delivering better care? If you didn't care about that stuff and you just wanted to say, hey guys, we have something, I, th- I think I think you can find a way to make it cheaper from a cost point of view. Right. But if you're saying, hey, no, 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 like we're actually investing in this mm-hmm. to get a real business outcome, a clinical outcome, real adoption, mm-hmm. market differentiators, I think it'd be very tough to, or you would have to be an extreme outlier with like an, like just an unexpectedly like well-run ship with like all these team members that can actually, you know, manage this along with everything else they're doing. Right. I have a hard time seeing a, a situation where you can actually do that more cheaply, but yeah, if you just want to be able to say you have something, mm-hmm. I mean, 
you know, that it yeah, could be, you yeah. probably could like find a way to, to, to do it cheaper. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but I don't think most organizations are the type that just want to be able to say on paper, they have something. Right. I mean, yeah. I think another con for buying uh, a digital patient engagement platform is that there are so many vendors out there that it could be unreliable. You don't know what you're getting unless you really do your due diligence on the specific vendor that you're looking at. Um, one kind of uh, sh uh, shameless self-promotion that I'll put out there for, for our own podcast. Um, on episode 33, we talked about how to evaluate digital patient engagement vendors and, and platforms. And we go above and beyond just the, you know, the surface kind of table stakes of features and, and price and all that, um, and really get into the details. Like, do they have experience implementing and what's the, the actual playbooks look like for all the different factors involved. But um, my point here is I, I think it, um, you know, it needs to be said that not all partners are, or not all vendors are created equal. Um, there's definitely some out there that maybe will promise you, hey, we can implement something in, in a week. And then you find out, you know, eight months later, they're still not implemented. So um, there's definitely a, um, a level of due diligence needed in choosing the right, the right uh, vendor. Yeah, no, that's true. I mean, you're right. You pick the wrong one. That is time money down the drain. Mm -hmm. And you have, you know, unfortunately, there's not a lot of, you won't be able to know everything about a vendor. And you're picking them, but yes, Alan, great plug. I, you know, we definitely have a good resource on, on at least how to consider evaluating partners, and hopefully, people find that helpful. Right. Um, do you have any other cons for buying uh, digital patient agent? I think you had one more good one. Uh, you well, before you get to the one, one like one con that sticks out for me is like you might have to work with myself or Josh. I mean, that's that's a con right there. <laughs> Yeah, you know what? I think you should just build your own. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it, it really comes down to the, the true value that you're looking for. So kind of back to that, um, you know, how to evaluate digital patient engagement is like, what's the actual benefit that we're looking to achieve? Are we looking to achieve outcomes and, and actually get a good ROI on, on what we're putting into to building or buying a product? Um, and so I think, you know, if you're truly looking for, let's make an investment that will actually pay off for better patient care, uh, more you know, patient-centered care and actually um, drive benefits for our patients, then I think, uh, obviously I'm biased, but I think buying the right patient engagement platform can make all the difference. You know, Alan, I, I, great, great point. And I think, I mean, honestly, I'm thinking about what we're talking. I'm trying to think like how many examples of there are there of companies or organizations where they basically created their own version of something that really wasn't in their field. Like, yes, I get patient engagement mm -hmm. in the healthcare field, but being a software company is a totally different line of work than being a healthcare delivery company, right? They are quite different. And I'm trying to think of examples in the world where organizations have successfully spun out companies whose work was pretty different than their core business. Um, and the only example I can really think of right now is, you know, Amazon built all their own data centers and, 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 you know, services for, for Amazon and then spun that out to Amazon web services, which is now right. could literally be its own separate publicly traded company if it wanted mm -hmm. to be. Um, and they've been very successful at being, you know, cloud-based provider for like the government and all these, and Netflix and all these other big organizations. 
but besides that like there really aren't that many examples and i mean amazon's an outlier like it's an outlier mm-hmm. I, I can't think of too many other situations where um there's been successful thing and then and again like um you would have to truly spin it out um and make it its own company and i can tell you like there's a lot of patient engagement companies unfortunately it's a big graveyard of digital patient right. engagement unfortunately because of how hard, how hard it is and so you have these companies that literally they're trying to do this 24 7 as a business who can't succeed mm-hmm. i feel like that should be some sort of data point for thinking you know if we were to yeah. solution it's kind of hard right, right. Right? right. Like if we're not even focusing 24 seven on it and, and a lot of people that do aren't able to make it work, that kind of tells you something about how hard it is. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that's a great point. Yeah. Um, Sad, I mean, sadly, like I don't wish that for anyone, but it's just, it's hard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, Josh, what do you think for, uh, you know, if, if you are a, a health system or hospital, what are kind of the main takeaways here? What are what would you say are the the most important things to consider when you're trying to decide? Yeah, you know, I think there's a time and place for everything. So I think Alan, what I like about like our culture here is that Seamless is not trying to sell stuff. We really view it as how do we educate an organization on on the buying process, right? And and how do we actually have a real conversation about is Seamless actually right for you? right? Um, whether that means we're, we are right for you as a vendor partner, because you want to pick a vendor partner, you already decided that, or whether we're right for you in terms of building versus buying, right? And if we're not the right fit for whatever reason, then we, we definitely don't want using Seamless MD. Um, and so if we're talking about building versus buying, I think it comes down to like, what is your situation? What are you trying to achieve? And I think the simplest way for me to think about it is if all you, all you care about is having something right you don't care if it really works that well or not and you have you have a team that has like capacity internally mm-hmm. and is like motivated to just like do something i think go for it i don't think there's any harm in that i just think go into it with eyes wide open about that's going to be probably a lot more time and money and people than you think it is and then i think honestly if i'm a hospital organization i would have the open mind that like you know what we might be willing to try this on our own mm-hmm. but if we really want this to drive business outcome or hit scale or, you know, get, you know, move quickly, you do want to at least keep in mind that whether now or later, you might want to look into a partner to do this. Right. Um, but I don't think it's necessarily a bad idea to try it on your own just to see or, mm-hmm. or just see if there might be interest in it internally. Right. Um, right. And then, and then I would just add uh, an earlier point that you mentioned. But if it if it's not successful, you know, how do you set the expectations so that internally we don't just completely, uh, you know, shut the idea down for future innovation? So, if maybe the first attempt at building a solution doesn't work out, how do we make it so that internally we're not gonna uh, just never? get a patient engagement solution again because it didn't work one time so manage the expectations as well if, if that is the route you're truly going to go and um, you have let's say the the IT resources available and and that's you know uh, you you're looking at let's build these features for our patients then just just make sure that you're managing the expectations internally 
uh, as well, because you don't want to shut down this idea because it is definitely the, the future of patient care is going to be uh, digital. So absolutely 100%. Okay, awesome. So um, I think that was a, a pretty good um, conversation on the pros and cons of building versus buying a digital patient engagement platform. Um, you'll notice, obviously, some of the pros for building a platform or the cons to buying a platform and vice versa. Um, but I think it really does come down to what are the goals of the organization? What are the goals that we want for our digital patient experience? Take from that what you will. Obviously, we are a vendor, so there's going to be a slight amount of bias in this well, conversation. There's a big, big echo chamber of the company. We just like, <laughs> you know. Exactly. But at the same time, as a vendor, we are faced with similar decisions. Do we build this software that we need to use or do we buy uh, an outside um, software for whatever the case is, there's uh, obviously some good thought process and, and some good decision making that needs to go into um, those decisions as well. So thank you, Alan. Uh, wonderful discussion. I really did appreciate it. Amazing. Thanks, Josh. Until next time. Until next time. Yeah. Yeah.